Yes. Modern art is rubbish. Yes. Hello and welcome to Modern Art is Rubbish, episode number 13. I don't know what it is. 37? Episode number 37. Are you all right, Tom? Yeah, just about, Marcus. Oh, yeah, why? Well, I've been, I've been partying all weekend. Have you? Oh, yeah. No. What, what, what have you been doing? That you're, I don't, we shouldn't be talking about that, No, we don't go there. <laughs> There was only a few, very few illegal incidents. Yeah, so good. We, we, we can't talk about everything that happened. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't there. I went home early because I'm good. You're good. Yeah, no, I'm good as well. I actually, you? I went home. No, I'm good, Marcus. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I went home early because I had to uh, do some more research on what we're going to be talking about today. Right, yeah. And that is the artist Jean-Michel Basquiat. I love saying that. It's got a nice ring. Yeah, Basquiat. So Basquiat is not, he's not from, it's not from the Basque country. No. The reason why he's called Basquiat is probably because he's inherited it from his father, who's Haitian, and his mother was Puerto Rican. Now, who was Basquiat? Basquiat was a, he's a painter. He's, he paints in what's called the neo-expressionist style. And that's a style of painting uh, that came out as a reaction against conceptual and minimal art. That was around in the 1970s. Art that was quite thought out. It was all about the concept. It was all about the idea. And later on, you know, these art painters come along and go, no, I don't want to do that. I want to start painting real things. So they started painting recognisable objects. You know, anything, you know. In Basquiat's case, it could have been cars, people, instruments, anything sort of recognising. But the work was really vivid, emotional kind of quite strong colours, quite strong brush strokes. So, uh, I know what you're saying. You're saying, look, can I have a biog? Yeah. Can I have a biog of um, uh, Mr. Basquiat? Basquiat, now Basquiat, yeah. yeah. I'd just like to say before I start, he became a mega star of art and he is one of the most important artists of the 20th century. Oh, right, yeah. So just... Uh, if, if he was a music artist, what is he like? Hendrix. Hendrix, yeah. Straight away, Jimi Hendrix. Of, <laughs> I don't know if he's the Jimi Hendrix of art, but there are certainly similarities, I think. He's in the 27 Club then? Yes, he is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, you've spoiler alert. Oh, everyone. sorry if spoiler I... Spoiler alert. Well, you know, there were too many clues. <laughs> <laughs> So, he was born in 1960 and his dad was Haitian and an accountant. Apparently his dad used to bring back uh, paper for him to draw on. If your son liked drawing, you'd bring him back paper, wouldn't you? Yeah, you would, yeah. You would, wouldn't you? Ooh, do you think that influenced his style, having the uh, using like accounting paper? I don't know, but I'm sure there's uh, numbers have appeared. on And symbols, chemical symbols appear in his work as well, and oh, numbers. Right, yeah. So, this is a thing that you'll discover with Basquiat, he's, he kind of like sucks up every single cultural reference that he knows about, he's very well read. He spoke three languages, so he takes all these incredible, this incredible knowledge and, and culture and mixes it all up and creates this new, these new works. Yeah, so I'm getting the image now of like a, a flame burning bright. Yes. So, you know, he's in the 27 Club, so he burns bright and then he just disappears, he yeah. dies. yeah. So 
He he loved drawing and his mum was very encouraging of his drawing. She used to take him to many uh, museums and galleries to look at the works. It was particularly drawn to Picasso's Guernica. And another thing that actually influenced him in future life was in 1968, he was hit by a car and he was actually hospitalised for a, a month and whilst he was in recovery, his mum gave him a copy of Grey's Anatomy, which is a medical book. And in a lot of future artworks, uh, you'll see that Basquiat references his medical textbooks quite a lot. He's quite interested in anatomy. Yeah, so there's similarities with the uh, Mexican painter. What's her name? Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo, yes, yeah. there is. Well, well, well connected. <laughs> Tom, how do you feel? <laughs> I don't know. Well, all I remembered was she's Mexican. <laughs> and she had back trouble. Uh, yeah. She got hit by a bus, didn't she? Yeah, she was in a bus crash. Bus, bus crash. crash bus, yeah. bus. I can't even say bus now. Yeah. yeah. Bus gear. Bus <laughs> so um, his parents split up and he went to live with his father. Now... I don't think Basquiat liked being told what to do. And his father, I think, was, you know, not bad, but but quite disciplined. You know, he liked children to be quite obedient and like behave. So he, he'd, well behave. he'd missed the swinging 60s, his dad, possibly. Yeah, possibly. He <laughs> <laughs> was a swinging accountant. No, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. sound right. <laughs> that doesn't sound right at all, but there you go. Um, so they would clash a lot. So Basquiat actually ran away a few times. A typical teenager. Yeah. <laughs> so in 1978, yeah, he left for good. I mean, his father actually gave him some money. So that sort of shows the relationship. Yeah, his but he, he was rebelling, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. And his like, father said, yeah. And his father said, you know, here's some money, you know, try and make a success of yourself. Yeah. You know, so he's... Now, so he, he goes to New York... All right, yeah. So where was he born, Basquiat? He was actually born in Brooklyn in New York. Uh, he went temporarily to live in Puerto Rico with his father and then he came back when he ran away again in 1978. So this was in when he was 17? Yes. Um, so New York at the time, very, very poor in parts, uh, burnt out buildings. The reason for that uh, I was reading is that landlords... Uh, couldn't find people to occupy the buildings, so they just set a light to them. So New York run down a lot of poverty, but also it was a mecca for a lot of artists, a lot of musicians, a lot of the cool people used to hang out there. Yeah, John and Yoko. You know. They used to hang out there as well. They yeah, lived in. Uh, oh, they, they lived did. in New York, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I don't know if they lived in the sort of that sort of like really rough part, though, didn't they? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. Dakota building they lived. Oh, was that? Yeah, so it's probably somewhere quite fancy, I imagine. Probably like Central Park or something, yeah. I'm guessing. Um, so, in 78, you know, you can imagine this is kind of like a... There's a bit of a graffiti scene going on, a lot of... Yeah, and hip-hop was yeah almost being born at that time. Yeah, yeah, that was burgeoning, that kind of scene. Yeah. Now... I just want to say here, Basquiat never was really a graffiti artist. He was poor when he moved there. He would live on the street or sleep on people's couches. So he had no art supplies. So his canvas was the street. That is why he painted originally on, on the street, as I'm about to tell you. He hooks up 
with a, uh, a friend called Al Diaz. And as an art statement, they decide to start writing uh, stuff around New York. So what him and his friend did was they went round places in New York. They'd write statements. These could be funny phrases. These could be uh, a little bit of street philosophy, little sound bite. And a lot of them were comments against the art establishment. All right, so what sort have you got an example? Yes, yeah, I have. Now, they used to sign their work, SAMO, S-A-M-O, which means same old shit, basically. That's the... All right. And they used to have a little copyright symbol at the end. Oh, nice. What well, is C in brackets? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> now, now, bearing in mind, if you think when you're on a train or you're walking past and you just see them up on a building and you just take them in quickly, uh, to give you some examples, turn a street corner and you see on the door same old copyright for the so-called avant-garde or same old shit for the so-called avant-garde yeah so he's that's an attack on the avant-garde isn't it because yeah. so-called like so-called islamic state that's a kind yeah. of it's a disrespect yeah isn't it they're so-called avant-garde yeah, yeah. and then there's another one you could walk you know you turn another corner and you'd be confronted with a stark brick wall with the words origin of cotton and it's just got signed Samo. So you think you see that. And of course, I mean, what do you think of when you think of the origin of cotton? Slavery? Yeah. Another one they've got, which is uh, Samo as an end to mind-wash religion, nowhere politics and bogus philosophy. So you can imagine that became quite a talk. People thinking, who's this? Because it was there was nothing like this at all. This was, but it's like yeah. sound bites and. I'm, we're quite used to that in Brighton because yeah. we see like there's one bit that just says "art is crap" in big letters. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. Or the um, springtime is not just for daffodils. Daisies and the one, daisies, yeah. the one that actually went on our Instagram account. That I got a photo of which is uh, one day I hope we all fall in love. Yeah, so we're, we're used to seeing these sorts of styles yeah. of graffiti around here. But at the time, this was completely like, what the hell? This never seen, never yeah. seen anything like this. This was art that was done on the street. So you can imagine the New York art scene. You know, they're thinking, who the hell's Samo? Him and his friend only did this for six months. They were doing it as a kind of like a, a fun project. And basically, there was a little bit of tension between him and his friend Al Diaz, who he was doing this work with, because Basquiat quite liked the fact that, you know, that Samo was getting the uh, sort of notoriety, you know. And But unlike Banksy, who hasn't blown his cover, Basquiat felt that he wanted to be known and he wanted to tell everyone, oh, I'm Samo. Oh, right, yeah. So that's not very nice to his friend, who was also Samo. Towards the end of 1978, there's a magazine called The Village Voice, which was like a cool cultural magazine for New York. And uh, Basquiat comes out saying, I am Samo. In the yeah. Village magazine? Yeah. Yeah. And then sadly, you, you turn a corner next and you'd see Samo is dead. That's what started to appear on walls. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. And Basquiat never really collaborated with his friend Al Diaz again. Yeah, well, he's he's ruthless. Basquiat, he didn't care about his friend. He just wanted uh, celebrity, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's... Yeah, I, it's I mean... It's what it's, we call a c***, isn't he? No, no. No, no, sorry, all right. No, 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 no. Take that. Yeah, but he's, got, he's ruthless. He doesn't care about his friend. It's I more th important to him to, to, be, to yeah. be famous. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's very driven. I, I think he's, he's focused on the one thing. I don't think it was necessarily done out of being bad, but it was about not 
necessarily caring. But as a caveat to what you've just said, uh, later on, when Basquiat was successful, he did go and visit his friend, Al Diaz, and uh, gave him a painting which, which had written on it, to Samo, from Samo. So he did remember his friend, and his friend said, regrettably, I actually sold the work not long after. All right, yeah. I, I imagine he felt very let down. That's why he sold it straight away. He couldn't forgive Basquiat for... It's probably because at that time, Basquiat's paintings went on to become worth quite a lot quite quickly. Yeah. So it's probably a bit of money. So in 1979, he, he got together with a group of friends and formed a band called Grey, which was uh, an experimental band, and they made kind of noise music. So the band was quite popular. Uh, in 1980, he was given an opportunity to exhibit some of his artwork. This was at a Times Square show, and it was a sort of like an open, so anyone could enter their work. And his work was really, really, really popular. So on the back of that, he was actually offered uh, another show in 1981. Now, just to say, at the time, the thing is, he was quite poor, so... Uh, you know, at this time, it's sort of like staying around a girlfriend's house or staying around mates' houses. So he'd just basically just get everything he could as a canvas. So, for instance, uh, he'd go out and he'd find an old window frame that someone left. So, of course, the frame is already the, the frame of the canvas, of the, of, the, of the work. And what he'd do is he'd actually paint on the glass. So it's already like a ready-framed image. That's quite cool. Or he'd get a door. Uh, basically, everywhere he could find would become a canvas. So if you're sitting at a coffee table, you could be, uh, you know, painting on that. Or a fridge, for instance. He, he it wasn't uncommon for him to maybe paint on a a friend's fridge door. Yeah. So like his friends would all uh, lose their security deposits on their flats and houses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jean-Michel, no! Stop painting on my fridge! I've got an inspection from my landlord this afternoon and he is going to kick me out of the flat! Look, don't fret yourself, man. No one treated Picasso like this. Look, it's a picture of the moon I've based it on uh, Pluto by Galileo. Look, I've nearly finished. Let me just put the finishing touches on. No, Jean-Michel, not writing as well! I've completed the inspection. The property's in excellent condition. Bedrooms, landing, bathrooms. It's all fantastic. And you know what? You would have got your security deposit back if it wasn't for that fridge. Now, as a result of this, this show in 1980, he's offered another show at the, what's called the PS1 Gallery. And that's a really, like, uh, quite a major gallery. The PS1, like, not PlayStation 1. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like that, yeah. <laughs> that's a, I liked uh, Crash Team Racing. That was my favourite on the PS1. And uh, he was showing alongside many other great sort of artists of the time. So this is really good, really good stuff. But this is a real step up from what yeah, he's done yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... As a result of that, you know, his work is becoming really, really sought after. Big galleries are already starting to buy his work, you know. It's 1981, so he's, he's only around about 21, and he's already getting, like, big major galleries getting interested in his work. Even at this time, Debbie Harry, um, the singer, she bought a painting, bought one of his first works, 
Well, that's great. That reminds me of uh, Kurt Cobain wearing a Daniel Johnson T-shirt. Oh, yeah. So he wore a Daniel Johnson T-shirt when he was in Nirvana. Yeah. And Daniel Johnson became a cult figure off the back of that. Yeah. So, like, having someone very famous uh, support your work is uh, could make or break some, uh, a young artist, couldn't it? It's instantly cool if Debbie Harry's bought your work, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the same as appearing on a Modern Artist Rubbish, isn't it, really? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start that again. It's the same as appearing on Modern Artist Rubbish, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. Right, so... He's. You can imagine now. He's getting. He's getting really known. He's getting really famous. And just to just let you know, of course, around the art scene at the time, a lot of people were doing uh, drugs, and he he was no stranger to this. And he was uh, partaking in the odd sort of a bit of heroin, bit of smoke here and there, bit of pot, you know, yeah. and various other drugs. So, so that's. I mean, heroin's the heavy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not not good. I mean, I I knew someone who was on heroin, and they uh, you, you can't. It's not the person you don't trust; it's the heroin, if that makes sense. So yeah, so uh, yeah, heroin is very bad for you, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't do it, and don't look at it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if looking at it is bad for you, yeah. but you wouldn't want to be in a in the place where you can look at it because that's probably not going to be the best place to be anyway, is it? So, you can imagine his his neo-expressionist works are really popular. People are talking about him a lot. Now, something I do want to make a uh, point out about that, although he's really famous, you can imagine he is doing drugs and also it's a very strange time because he's he's getting what he wants. He wants to be famous. He wants to be known. Um, but, being uh, African-American, he still comes up against issues dealing with his race and his colour. For instance, he might go to a really, uh, be invited to a really exclusive party or an exclusive gathering talking about his art. And then he still has the same sort of like, still has trouble getting a taxi home sometimes because of his colour. I guess he, in the art world, there's not that many not that famous many. black men. Not at that time. At, at that, that time, at yeah. that time uh, you know, there were a couple of, uh, uh, of painters that had been successful, black American painters, but really uh, not, not much and not in this kind of like stratospheric kind of way. Sure. He's, uh, you know, he's getting, to, getting quite famous and, and he's actually introduced to Andy Warhol. Now, again, you can imagine Basquiat, he's been introduced to Andy Warhol now. Andy Warhol is one of his idols. So by him meeting these kind of people, he's putting himself, he wants to insert himself into art history as part of the thing of Basquiat, getting himself famous and also becoming as important as these other artists. You know, that's how he, he wants to see himself. He did actually meet Warhol uh, previously, um, this was sort of some years ago. We go back to when he was 18. Um, and he used to sell postcards. Now, at the time, uh, he made these postcards from using uh, from photocopies. And what he'd do is he'd just make sort of like collages. And he was walking past a restaurant in Soho. And he walked in there and Andy Warhol was sitting there with his friend. And he sort of said to Andy, oh, I've got his postcards. And Andy said, oh, oh. That's, this is my Andy Warhol voice. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, these look nice. 
anyway, he bought a couple of them. So fast forward uh, from from the age of 18 to 1982. So what would he be? He'd be about 21, 22. And um, he's introduced to Andy now. They get on really well. And Andy Warhol's quite protective. They, they develop quite a close bond and Andy Warhol's quite uh, protective of him, you know, so... I mean, they got on so well, they even started to sort of collaborate and make paintings and art together. So, I mean, that must have been a great experience for Basquiat. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, is I think for him, as I say, he was hanging around with Warhol and that puts him on that sort of level. So when they got to do sort of like they did an exhibition together, Basquiat was thinking, great, you know, I'm I'm making paintings, actually making paintings with Warhol, so they'd actually work on the same canvas. And he imagined that, crikey, look at that, I'll have this show, and then people will think, Warhol, Basquiat, they'll think, you know, I'm on that level, I'm as important as him, you know. And basically what happened was, you know, and they'd been friends for a couple of years or so, and... Uh, the exhibition happened and critics, it wasn't popular, the critics. Now, I've looked at the works. The works are pretty, pretty good. So I, I, I actually quite like what they've done. So I don't think that it deserved the, the critical sort of panning that it got. Uh, but basically, critics looked at the work and they felt that Warhol, who at the time was not as famous as he had been, well, not as famous, but his star was on the wane, for want of a better word, they, they sort of suggested that Warhol was hanging around with Basquiat because he's this new, young, cool artist. And Basquiat was sort of like hanging around with Warhol because he wanted to be more cred and wanted to be more establishment. What that is, that's left Basquiat feels quite disappointed, as we know, you know, he like, he needs to, he, he's got a real desire to become famous. He wants to insert himself, as I said, into yeah. art history. He wants to, I mean, he looks at Warhol and he sees a stepping stone, doesn't he? Yes. They were, were good friends, but basically, after that, Basquiat felt really deflated. I thought this was his moment where people will finally say, you know, he's already really, really, really doing better than any artist that I've ever read about. I mean, and bearing in mind, he was in 85, what was he, he was in 24, 25, and he's already wanting to think that he wants there to be up there with Da Vinci and Warhol, Rothko, all the great kind of like, I mean, it's a bit of a random selection, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Van Gogh, Tony Hart. <laughs> Tony Hart, for those of you who don't know, you'd probably have, for the American audience or for other audiences, you'd probably have to replace Tony Hart with Bob Ross. Oh, God bless him. Right. Um, oh, sorry, I get emotional when I think about Bob Ross. He's dead. Yeah, well, same as Andy Warhol and Basquiat. Yeah. Same Do like, you know? You, you know. <laughs> Wheeling the emotions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to do our biography. I don't know why Bob Ross gets to me more than the other devs. I don't know why. What happened to Bob Ross? Was that heroin or? No, I think Bob Ross just died. I don't. I don't actually know why he died. I think I is don't it think a children's a... TV program. Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Bob Ross is is an American art instructor who taught taught the he taught the world how to paint. Oh right. That's what I say. Bob Ross did. Yeah, yeah. Like someone taught the world how to sing. Who was that? Was that Liam Gallagher? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, is quite. You know, he's quite down um, and he continues to paint. But of course, after the show, 
Basque is not as hot as he was. He's kind of like now. When I say Basque are not being as hot, it's probably like he's had ju- a ba- he's had a bad review with yeah. Andy Warhol. Yeah, yeah, and many and, people have. Let's yeah, be yeah. fair. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, Basque when he's not popular is probably the dream of most artists. You know, to even get to that level. So, but anyway, Basque. Yeah, you're, what you're saying is Basque is dreaming bigger. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's so, thinking more about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in 1987, uh, Warhol went into hospital for an operation and he died. Uh, Basquiat, although he's separated from him, he didn't take it well at all. He went into a sort of like a, a sort of spiral of depression, and he became very much a recluse. So he continued to paint throughout this period. Um. Of course, his use of drugs was still on the scene. Now, the sad thing is, is that they interviewed his father uh, a few sort of years later and he, he his father was really sort of like sad, you know, that, that no one actually contacted him to say, you know, like, Basque is doing a lot of drugs and can you come and help him out? So he knew nothing about, no, no. about his drug No, use. no. Um, his son's drug Well, I, I don't think he knew how bad it had got. And um, sadly, on August the 12th, 1988, uh, Basquiat died at the age of 27 from an overdose of heroin. So a particularly strong batch. So similar to Janis Joplin in the 1970 or whenever that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. So Janis Joplin had a batch of heroin that um, six or seven people in her area had taken and they all died. Yeah, that was That's like... That's the a... story of her, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's fatal, isn't it? I keep thinking of the nice coffee company, a local coffee company called Small Batch. Small Batch, is that in Southend? No, it's in Brian. But they don't do drugs, they do nice coffee. Free advert. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Small Batch coffee. Won't be fatal. (laughs) Other fatalities are available. After he died, um, Throughout the 90s, his work was nowhere near as popular as When did he die in 1988? So Warhol died in February. Warhol died in 87. So there was like a year and a half later he died. Yeah, it was around about that, I suppose. So in this time, he wasn't getting out and about. He was a recluse. Yeah, I mean... He was using drugs. He was painting at home, I presume. Yeah, I mean, so I suppose he still went out, but he, he never completely got over the death of Warhol and I think it affected him so much. Well, it's not a long time to get over a death. I mean, you must have experienced no. death. Well, m- most people have it, or they do in their lives. It's, yeah. it's not something you get over quickly when you lose a close friend, is it? Or loved one, potentially? You're, you don't think so? No. I, I, I mean, a year and a half's not long. Uh, well, no, I mean, it depends. For some, a year and a half's not a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in the 90s, his work was not as popular as it had been, um, but gradually a lot more sort of like celebrities would start to buy his work. Famous uh, rappers like Kanye West and Jay-Z have sung about him. You know, his work's now one of the most sought-after works in the world. I mean, recently, it was a couple of years ago, one of his works sold for £85 million, which is $110 million. And that was actually the highest amount at the time for an American artist at auction. So now so now his work's really sought after and uh, he's now considered to be one of the most important artists of the 20th century. Right, so I really want to see this art because yeah. I don't know him. And like some of 
I asked my dad about him, and he was like, oh, do you know Beth? My dad knows most famous artists, and he hadn't mm. heard of him. Oh, right. So, so, okay, so I've picked you three artworks, and then what we're going to do is I'm going to get you to look at them. I'm going to teach you how to look at Basquiat. Is there a special method to look at Basquiat? Well, it's not special. It's not the Marcus method looking at Basquiat. It's just how to read his paintings. Now, these works, I'm going to put links on the website, which is modernartistrubbish.com. And if you go over to the Facebook page, we've also got a post with the actual works on it, which is Modern Artist Rubbish. So the first one I'm going to look at is a work that was created by Jean-Michel Basquiat with Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Right. This is called Ten Punching Bags Last Supper. Now, it's referencing, obviously, the Last Supper. Now, this piece, looking at it, Tom, describe it to me, what you're seeing. So, okay, so there's ten boxing punching bags. Yeah, they're white, aren't they, as well? Yeah, like the big ones you see people punching in gyms. And on, on all of them is Jesus. Yeah. With judge, the word judge written on. So you're punching Jesus and judge in the face when you're yeah, training. Yeah. And the, the, the Jesus is actually a, a definitely a Andy Warhol-style illustration. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. Would, I would probably say that the word judge has been written a lot by Basquiat. Judge, there. judge, judge, yeah. Can you see any others? There's, you can also, you'll probably see on one of the punching bags is a crown. I see the crown. And now, the crown there. is the, uh, it's a motif that Basquiat employs in a lot of his paintings. It's like his signature. Yeah. So you'll see a crown in a lot of his works. Okay, so when you when you look at it, you're seeing what you're seeing. You're seeing punching bags and Jesus, and you're seeing the word judge. Now we talked about their relationship earlier. People judge Andy Warhol and Basquiat their work and then their relationship. So there's that kind of judging. Yeah. Also, would you want to punch Jesus? You wouldn't want to punch in a. That's what I quite liked as well. Is it's a punching bag, but I'd want to no, punch I a like punching it. bag. I like if you had a punching bag, you wouldn't want one. Would you, you would. Come I wouldn't on. punch I, Jesus I, in a I, punching I, bag. If I had a punching bag, which I'm unlikely to uh, to get, yeah. I'd love one of these. But, but you they'd probably be too expensive, wouldn't they? If they've got yeah, uh, Bas Basquiat and yeah, you wouldn't. You Andy wouldn't. Warhol on right. Them. The first thing is you wouldn't want to punch it because it's got Jesus in it, and you wouldn't want to well, punch it because it was you... a Basquiat yeah. thing. So you wouldn't want to damage it anyway. It wouldn't offend me punching Jesus if really? it was on a punching bag. If it was on a punching bag. Yeah, yeah. but I know that it's an artwork, so I, I'd enjoy having it. It looks so cool, doesn't it? You know, there's, it's also the fact that you know it is called the Last Supper. So you know, I, when I think of the Last Supper, it's Jesus knowing that he's going to die, isn't he? Or you know, yeah. Well, no, he's got ten rounds to go with uh, <laughs> with whoever Herod. Well, yeah, <laughs> Herod. Herod Tyson, I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Pontius Pilate. Uh, if Jesus was here now, he, surely he'd rather you punched a punching bag rather than someone else in the face. Yes. Yeah. I think Jesus would be happy for that. Yeah, I think Jesus would. But I wouldn't want to judge the person who punched. Finally, we're going to do two Basquiat paintings. And this one is called Leonardo's Greatest Hits. It's painted on four panels. It does look reminiscent of Leonardo da Vinci works, like with the body. We remember we said he had a car accident. He was involved in an accident oh, when he was yeah. a child. And he was given his medical book. He also loved the idea of the uh, Leonardo da Vinci's books. He, and he had, a, he had copies of those as well. So what we're looking at, as you can see, as you said, you've got, you've got various sort of like body parts. 
What Basquiat does is he takes all this knowledge that he's got and he puts it out on the canvas, but he's not copying what Da Vinci did. He's not just, he's repurposing it and also putting it in a new way. So by sort of like redrawing uh, Leonardo da Vinci work, he's almost putting himself into art history as well. Yes, it's funny. I, it makes me smile looking at it. Well, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's a perfectly valid thing. You can see also in the corner he's got this crown. He's got his little crown. Yeah, um, motif. And also he likes to put a lot of language, as he does when he was Samo on there. So you can see there's even a mention of Prometheus. Now, basically, Prometheus was the uh, a guy who uh, wouldn't tell Zeus who was, I believe, who was, that, who was out to kill him. I wouldn't tell Zeus who was after him. Yeah, so basically... Zeus knew someone was after him, but... but, but so basically Prometheus got attacked with a lightning bolt. By Zeus. Yeah, and there's the bolt that's been drawn there. What Basquiat did was he wrote a lot of words on his, and sometimes it could be referencing philosophy or referencing, uh, you know, a lot of art history. And that's called Leonardo's Greatest Hits. All right, yeah, it's, it reminds me maybe a little bit of In Utero by Nirvana, which is Nirvana's last album. Yes, I will see what you mean with that, that kind of like that cover. We'll put a link to that as well, yeah. All right, yeah. So on to uh, this, the final piece we're going to look at. Yeah. Okay, so what we're looking at here is, is actually jazz players and it's called Horn Players. It was painted in 1983. Basquiat really loved jazz. He also liked to pick subjects that were not always easy to deal with. So he would pick a lot of subjects that involved like black culture, uh, issues, political issues and he would take them and he would mix them up and he'd put it all through his filter and then re-express it and here what we've got is we've got three uh, a three panel piece with three jazz players now one of them i'm looking he's got he's got like a saxophone he looks like charlie parker to me and then we've got another one with a trumpet which looks like dizzy gillespie there's another player there as well and kind of like scat singing and also i can see that there's a lot of things there's ornithology and um, study of birds and the thing is is that charlie parker was also known as bird and this is really interesting and under the word ornithology as well you can see in blue there's been the word king zulu painted all right yeah. right now king zulu was louis armstrong but what do you know about the king zulu who the king zulu was Louis Armstrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in the past, uh, sort of enslaved Africans um, were not allowed to participate in pageants and parties and parades. In 1909, they, uh, they formed the Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club. And it's a sort of like African-American carnival organisation in New Orleans. And each year, someone will get to become the King Zulu. So oh, it's almost yeah. like a great honour. Yeah. And uh, Louis Armstrong was the King Zulu, so there's an extra jazz reference. But also, of course, when you think about it, you think about the whole history of slavery and everything. Right, you see, after the biog, I was expecting paintings that were very expressive, more like Van Gogh. And what we got was these, like, sort of uh, graffiti, little, they're almost like little pictures with words. It's quite sort of... Uh, 
punky and like it's all, it reminds me more of Kurt Cobain than it does of Jimi Hendrix. Oh, yeah. I guess it's the references to religion and yeah. Da Vinci. Yeah, so that's it, Tom. Any uh, any other thoughts you want to add on Basquiat? Well, just the questionable nature of his name, Basquiat. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a French question, yeah, isn't it? Is. Basquiat. I'm going to put uh, quite a few links uh, on, on the page so people can go and see his work because I think as well as you need to look at his work and then whenever you see a word, go and look it up, go and see what it means. Sure, yeah. You know, and uh, so anyway, uh, it's just buys then, Tom. Okay then. Bye. Right, bye, 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 bye.